It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, we're going to start the show by talking through the hierarchy of needs. We had a question that was, who asked the question, Joe? We really put me on the spot, Jake. This was from Nick Jenkins at Tweet Jenkins. So, Nick at Tweet Jenkins, we are not going to get to your question in the mailbag today because it's going to be our open to the show. And instead of just focusing on edge, we will reset the hierarchy of needs for the Bengals going into this year from the most needy position all the way down to quarterback. And the reason quarterback is at the bottom is because we're assuming Joe Burrow is the pick and that's no longer a need. Um, if, if not, then Joe Burrow will be at the top, but that's procedural at this point. Then we'll get into the mailbag, Joe. We've got a bunch of questions favorited from our listeners. There was a question that someone left in an iTunes review about Drake Kirkpatrick as a safety that uh, you wrote about when he first came into the league in 2012 for Cincy Jungle. But Jake Kirkpatrick, no longer a Bengal. So while we do appreciate the question and we did see it, we're not going to field that one because he's not a Bengal at the moment. Although, Joe, it wouldn't surprise me if he's back on this team, if he doesn't catch on elsewhere. That being said, let's get into that hierarchy of needs, not Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but the Bengals hierarchy of needs. For this exercise, we are going to start by assuming that Joe Burrow is a pick. Quarterback is now the least needed position for the Cincinnati Bengals because they've just used the most expensive piece of capital you have in team building to fill that need. From that point, we think about what players, if drafted with the second or third pick at 33 or 65, would contribute the most in year one. This is one way to think about What are the most pressing needs? If the Bengals drafted a second-round interior offensive lineman, I think he has a chance to start. The same could could be true of a right tackle, a linebacker. And I think that's about it. I think those are the three things that if you acquire them in the second or third round, they have a chance to win a starting job this year. So let's classify those three positions as immediate needs if they had to line up and play a football game today, where would be the biggest holes? Where would be the issues just looking at that roster? And I think you're right, as I would have guard number one right now, Michael Jordan, who last year's fourth-round pick, someone they liked, played much better down the stretch of last season after really struggling, getting in there maybe too early than he should have after the retirement of Clint Bowling and the no-show of Cordy Glenn. So Jordan's probably groomed to be the left guard. They signed Xavier Suofilo 
he has never played right guard. So I think that's where we could have a pick at 33 slide into a starting position. I have guard number one. And then I would put linebacker number two. While I think they have their two starters and Jermaine Pratt and, and Josh Bynes, that third guy is still open right now, probably filled by Jordan Evans. So let's put that number two right tackle. While it may be a competition between Bobby Hart and Fred Johnson, you could add in some high-end talent with that pick at 33 that could beat both of them out. So I agree with you. Those are immediate needs. You go to the next set then. Who would play as rookies but maybe not start and could take over a starting position in 2021 or 2022? And I think it's three positions. I have wide receiver, edge, and cornerback. I've got those same positions in the next tier, and I think it really is. We have the tier one that Joe just talked about in this next tier of wide receiver, edge, and corner, but I have them in a little bit of a different order. I just have edge ahead of wide receiver because I think the Bengals have decent depth at wide receiver. Even if they lose one guy to injury, it really takes two guys going down to injury before they're really in trouble. If it's A.J. Green and John Ross again, then you're right back in the same situation you were in last year and you're really wishing you had a second round, third round wide receiver who could contribute this year. But the same could be said for the edge position where there's only three guys on the roster right now. Any rookie drafted is likely, if he's drafted second, third round, is likely to play right away as part of that rotation. And if one of those guys gets hurt and Carl Lawson has had injury issues, then you're down to two guys and you're back with street free agents. Maybe you're back to Andrew Brown playing outside and that didn't go great for him. So for me, edge is ahead of wide receiver just because with Auden Tate's emergence, and I know he's had injury issues too, but then you're talking about three guys being hurt. There's at least something there at wide receiver. I would feel a lot more comfortable about this if they had gone out and signed a guy like Prashad Perriman, but he ended up getting seven, $8 million. So I guess that wasn't as cheap an option as I thought. And then corner for me is a real future need because they're pretty deep here right now. And especially with Darius Phillips as your fourth corner, you feel pretty good about that at the moment. It it is absolutely a future need though with William Jackson and Mackenzie Alexander only under contract for one year. But Joe, I think you've got wide receiver ahead of edge. So what's the difference for you? The difference is I think you're already drafting the replacement of John Ross at this point. And when I look at 2021, it's just really Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate on this roster. Even if A.J. Green is extended, you still are lacking that Marvin Jones, that Chris Henry, that John Ross for the limited time he has played to stretch the defense and really help them out. As, as Green has gotten older and gotten slower, I think they still need that speed guy, maybe more now than ever before. I do agree on edge, though, and I think if we look at edge as a – outside linebacker position more if this team is going to play more 3-4 defensive looks. You really may need a guy that has that ability to to be more versatile, stand up on his two feet, and be a little more dynamic. Maybe that's why Zach Bond is being paired with the Bengals as much as he is at the 33rd pick because that would be an ideal player to put at edge, give you your fourth guy, while help transition more to a 3-4 defense. But those are six needs, and I think they could start taking any of those needs at 33 and 65. And if the value for any of those positions lines up with the players available at 33 and 65, that's where I think we're hoping. That's the direction we want to see the Bengals go. But you can go all the way down this roster quite a ways and still make an argument for there's a benefit to drafting these players too. So the next group is kind of a single position tier, I think, an interior defensive line. They do need a future three-tech 
They do have Rennell Wren they drafted last year in the fourth round, but he's actually pretty old. He came into the league pretty old. He's already 24 and a half. DJ Reader, just a year older. He's 25. Uh, but Geno Atkins on the wrong side of 30. They will need to replace Geno's production. They will need to get a guy that can ease his snaps. Maybe Andrew Brown is that guy. But if they drafted an interior defensive lineman because somebody falls, then you feel pretty good about it. Now, this isn't a class where that seems likely. But that's a tier in and of itself before we get into tight end running back for the next tier. Joe, any comments on interior defensive line that I didn't cover? Um, just that I think 5-tech could be considered there. It's Josh Tupo right now, Renault Ren probably backing him up. There is probably potential for an upgrade or an opportunity there. And it, maybe it starts in the third round and afterwards. And the only other position, because we're gonna, the, I know we're going with the next tier here because I think there is a line there a little bit, and it's – Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a player here, I'd be interested, but you don't have to force a pick. And that's tight end, that's running back, that's center, that's even I would be I'd consider a left tackle um, in safety. I, and I think I would just add kicker to that. Like I, if there's a kicker there in the fifth, sixth round, sure take him. If there's a tight end that you think can penetrate this depth chart, sure take him. Same with running back. Yeah, I think if they're guys that you think can contribute. Great, go do it. But that is, that is, I think there's two remaining tiers for me, not counting quarterback. It's tight end, running back, center. Mm-hmm. And those are guys like, if you get exceptional value, pull the trigger there. Especially if it's like, if you really believe in Beatas and you say that, you know what, his regression this year is totally due to his injury and he's there in the fourth round and you want to take right. Beatas, sure. Exactly. If, if that works out, that's a risk that isn't necessarily the worst gamble. If there is... Say Clyde Edwards-Alaire, again, in the fourth round, maybe maybe you feel good about that, putting him in there with Joe Burrow. Uh, same can be said for tight end. This is not a terribly strong class. I'm looking in the fifth round, if I'm the Bengals, really, before I start thinking about tight end, because I think there are some guys that have upside that I would mm-hmm. like in that range. But if it's earlier than that, it's a little too rich for me. And I'm totally with you on kicker. Safety is a real weird one, because if it's Xavier McKinney at 33... I think I'm still on board, depending on who else is there. I think I'm still on board, though, despite the moves they've made. And it's a super strong day two safety class. Like, all of these guys could be day yeah. two. McKinney and Delpit at the top. And then, you know, just loads of – I mean, we'll go through the top eight, and they should all go day two. And it's like – reminds me of the year Jesse Bates went and a, and a few others that were right in that range. And I really liked all three, and they've all played well. And, uh, yeah, it could be there. You could make that decision again. Kicker in round six, though? Especially oh, yeah. if they can somehow add a pick. Like if they trade back from two and pick up a fourth and a sixth or something, use use it on a kicker. And maybe use that extra fourth rounder on a running back or a tight end because we're, we, we like day three running backs. Anyway, we've got a bunch of questions to get to here, Joe. That is a hierarchy of Bengals needs. Guard, right tackle, linebacker for me, edge, wide receiver, corner for Joe, wide receiver, edge, corner, interior defensive line in its own tier then. Uh, a fourth tier of tight end, running back, center, and then safety kicker and quarterback all the way to the bottom because that is Joe Burrow. We'll be back with your questions in just a minute. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's the mailbag edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. And we got a lot of questions today. People are excited to talk Bengals and get your take, Jake, on a lot of this stuff. We're going to start right off from the top from Adam Foskey at A.R. Foskey. I think I'm saying his last name right. But he's, he is very compliment of our work, especially your work, Jake. Thanks for the great daily content. I have two questions. Do you see this coaching staff continuing to adapt to the personnel on the roster like the second half of the season? First half of the season, it seemed like they were forced or they forced their system, even though it wasn't working. And then Foskey also, also asks, will you guys do more Twitch film review sessions I would pay to have more of that content. It's really good. I don't see any of this as being complimentary to me more than you. Oh, I think you're going to take the streaming to the next level, Jake. Well, it, it only really works with with both of us there to talk about the football players we're watching because you still have a better eye for what's happening on a football field than I do. Even Even since we've been doing this show for a year, I'm not watching nearly as many prospects as you do or as much of the prospects as you do. I get to like two games of a guy and I'm like, I can't, I can't watch this guy anymore. I am not yeah. a film grinder. Yeah, uh, it, that takes some, uh, you know, zoning out and just enjoying it sometimes. Yeah. And some of the positions are just so hard to watch. Like I yeah. was just trying to watch Julian Okwara before today. And so much of defensive lineman tape is like, Oh, there's another catch and throw. Right. Oh, they ran away from him. You go uh, 30 he, plays and he's not involved in any of them yeah. or he doesn't even have a chance to make a play in any of them. And then that's sort of football generally. That's why watching quarterbacks is so fun. Right. Because it, they're they're doing stuff on... Anyway, Adam, uh, will we be doing more Twitch film review sessions? I would pay for that content. It's really good. Joe, are you are we going to do any more film review sessions before the draft? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. We'll try to get one in at some point here. Uh, Joe's working nights this weekend, so we'll have to figure out when we can get one in, one or two more maybe. You can subscribe yeah. to us now on on Twitch, so that's pretty cool. Subscribe to Jake. It's well, definitely I mean, his channel. So, But yeah. I will be on there, obviously. Um, but, I'm going yeah, to be splitting money with Joe if, if, if that's a reason that people are subscribing, though. Right. Yeah, I want to do a Joe Burrow one before the draft. Oh, we should. We that'd be well. fun. Right, especially there's a few all-22s available, so we can uh, watch those and just you know have fun with it. Yeah, I would like to do the cleansing game on all 22 just because they were so good at beating LSU in the first half. Uh, along with this, we are going to do a live show again for the draft episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll probably do those on Twitch as well. And we're all going to be staying at home, so you have no excuse not to watch. Um, and we're just going to be getting drunk for the first round, right? Like, I mean, we know the pick. As long as it goes through in the first 10 minutes, we're just shots. Let's do it. Um. You're down? We, we can make up a drinking game, I guess. Yeah, we'll put that's that to right. the listeners. We'll let the listeners come we'll up with have a to drinking come up, game. We'll have to do our, each our official mock draft, and we'll have listeners do it too. And for everyone you get wrong, you got to take a shot. Nope. That, we're not going to kill. 25 of them, at least. We're going to kill every single listener we have of alcohol poisoning. Uh, so we will be doing that. But Adam's other question, will the coaching staff continue to adapt to personnel on the roster like the second half of the system? second half of the season. I I think that we saw a very adaptive coaching staff, Joe. I think that they didn't necessarily have a great feel for the football team. 
and it's really hard to install changes without a break. And so they took the bye week to make some significant changes on both sides of the ball. You've heard the coaches say over and over again this offseason, oh, we're, we're much better prepared. We're way further ahead of where we were last year because they literally started the process a month and a half earlier. Zach Taylor yeah. didn't get to Cincinnati until February of 2019. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, the bye week came at a right time, right? What if that was week four bye? Do they get it r- fixed earlier? What if it's a week 10 bye? Is it, you know, later? Uh, but I think you have to adapt. If you don't, they're going to get fired. So that's what it comes down to. Even last year, they have to adapt from what worked last year. And getting Joe Burrow, I was watching a game today. I was watching all 22 of Georgia um, just for fun because he gets me excited. But I was thinking, yeah, the Bengals are going to have to do more of this stuff. They're going to have to go more empty. They're going to have to mm-hmm. bunch guys on, you know, go trips left and, and split out, mix into the right and things like that just because you should surround your quarterback with the elements that made him successful. And uh, if they don't, then they're going to ruin or waste or uh, limit the potential of the, the, as you said, greatest resource you can add to a team is first pick overall at quarterback. So they have to, they're going to have to. And if they don't, we'll all have the same grade. Yeah. I think it's uh, something that we've been talking about, for months that they're going to have to change the offense. It cannot be exactly what the Rams offense was. It can use staples. It's going to have to borrow more heavily from New Orleans. It's going to have to borrow directly from Joe Brady. And Anthony Triash of Pro Football Focus wrote up, here's what the Bengals can do to adapt their offense to Joe Burrow. This has been out there for months, and you make a good point. We haven't talked about it for a while. And Greg Cassell said this today on the Bengals OBI podcast. He said that, all quarterbacks, except for maybe one or two, are scheme quarterbacks. So you need to make mm-hmm. sure you marry your scheme to your quarterback strengths. And Joe Burrow has many. But don't mm-hmm. ask Joe Burrow to make a bunch of outside hash opposite, outside numbers opposite hash throws that need to be on a line because that's not his strength. Right. It's not going to hurt him. But don't ask him to do stuff that is not his strength. Play to his strengths. Our next question, though, comes from Doug at Natty Cowboy. Where would Jonah Williams fit on your board if he were in this year's draft of tackles or offensive linemen? Is he still, would he still be your top offensive lineman, Joe? He would not. Um, in fact, I, I think you would have um, Jedrick Wills. I'm sorry, I'd have Tristan Wirfs. I was going to say Jedrick Wills and, and Jonah, to me, would be battling for the fourth spot. So I would have Tristan Wirfs, even though some may view him as a guard, but some view Jonah Williams as a guard, actually. And then I would have Andrew Thomas, Mackay Becton, and then be Wills and Jonah. And I think Jonah's better than Wills. And uh, so I would probably have Jonah, what's that, make him fourth, and then Wills fifth. So that's okay because I think all those, the the three better than him might go in the first ten picks. And that would leave Wirfs or whoever the fourth guy may be in this class, however it shakes out, landing in the same area that Jonah did last year at eleven. I think that if it were this year for me, I, I would have him one slot higher just ahead of Makai Becton, just because Becton has some work to do to transition to the pros. He has all the tools and he probably makes that transition nicely. He has all the tools that Jonah doesn't have. He has the length, he has the size, he has the athleticism. But yeah. Jonah Williams coming out was just so polished that mm-hmm. I, I think that he would just get the edge on Becton just slightly. And then I think it would be an interesting conversation between he and Thomas for me. Yeah, I can see that. I think if you could, as you're describing Becton, if you could mold or combine Jonah and Becton, man, that'd be Orlando Pace. That'd be like guy that should go number one or two overall. 
that's that's Jason Peters. That's you know, name some of these right. great Walter Jones. Tackles. Yeah, that's right. a Hall you've of Fame locker. You've got the technique and the mentality and the size, athleticism, and strength. I mean, you really those best those guys that are going to be Hall of Famers oh. or are Hall of Famers. That's what yeah. they are. You know who that is? That's just Willie Anderson with sure. just a little more juice. <laughs> right. Well, Beckton looks like Willie Anderson. So yeah, if if Beckton develops at that rate, he should be really really good. Yep. All right, next question is from Joey Gilreath at jgilly513. Is Brandon Ayuk and KJ Hamler an option for the second round pick or no? What's your guys' thoughts on these players? I think that both those guys could be round one picks because I think the bottom of the draft for wide receiver is pretty unpredictable. And both of these guys do some pretty specific things mm-hmm. that teams could covet in the first round, especially the teams picking in the later part of the first round that are looking for specific pieces to set their offense over the top and these guys both are the explosive types hamler has track speed he's a field stretcher but joe i know that you don't particularly like either of these guys a whole lot at 33 and since you've i'm sure watched more of them than i have i'll let you answer the technicality of what are our thoughts on these players yeah, Hamler, I like less than Ayuk. I definitely like Ayuk more. And the reason I don't like Hamler is because anytime you have a guy that's like 5'9", 170, you've got one guy to compare him to, and that's Deshaun Jackson. You, There's been a thousand of these guys in fast or not fast, and they rarely pan out at that size. They usually end up being role players, kick returners, just fourth receivers that run deeper or gadget guys. And that's okay, but are you going to spend a top 50 pick on that? I would not, especially because we did not get Hamler to run. So we actually don't know how fast he would be. The other guy is Hollywood Brown who went in the first round. Chances that you're getting two of them back-to-back years, very unlikely. So Hamler should fall a little bit. I think he will. Or a team's just going to look at him and say, you know, I, I think he could be Tyreek Hill and they'll take him in round two. And that's probably what will happen. But I wouldn't. I'd even struggle to take him at 65. But Brandon Ayuk, I do like. Uh, I think he's very similar to Jalen Rager. I think they're field stretchers, yak guys that are, have the quickness and juice to them, especially when they're getting vertical or after the catch. Uh, I just think his routes are still in development. I think early on he's probably a gadget guy and a number three type receiver, and you will try to push him and develop him. Like if he goes to Andy Reid's offense in the Chiefs, he instantly finds success. But for another team that needs to get a little more creative with him, you may not see that right away. I like him for the Bengals. I don't know if I like him at 33. I could see him going first round. But if the Bengals trade it back to 40, I could see a scenario where he's a best player available. There you go. Joe Goodberry has you covered when it comes to wide receiver opinions. You've watched a lot of them. And you know what? So is Greg Cassell. So if you want a second opinion, go check out Greg Cassell's timeline because he has all of his evaluations for wide receivers at this point, I think on his Twitter timeline. We have a lot more questions to get to. As always, we always seem to go deep instead of wide on these questions, and we'll get back into that in just a minute. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
It's a weekend mailbag on the Lockdown Bengals podcast, and we got like 60 questions today. So if we haven't answered your question yet, I encourage you to keep sending them in. I'm sorry we haven't gotten to it yet. Send those to the Lockdown Bengals Twitter account when we put out our tweet soliciting questions on Thursday afternoons. The next question, though, comes from Pice at dpice 716 on Twitter. I think the 2020 season will not happen. Therefore, do you know how the draft order will be determined for 2021? And Joe, just before you answer, let's not jump the gun here. If any sports season is going to happen, it will be the NFL. They will play games in front of empty stadiums, I think, before they cancel the season. And 10 games if they got to cut it down. Yeah. They'll do it. But uh, it it is an interesting thing to at least ponder because the Bengals sit at number one. A lot of people have asked, would they just get the number one pick next year? What happens to the guys they do draft? And there there would be a lot of things to talk about if that happened. But there was a – we are to answer it correctly, we don't know what would happen. But we can look at the NHL season that was lost due to a lockout, and they still held a draft consecutive years. And we can look back and see how they figured out how to um, figure out the draft order. And, And I'll read what was sent to me on how they figured that out. It says, teams were weighted based on playoff appearances in the last three completed seasons. And this was the early 2000s, 01, 02, 03, and 04. Um, The first overall picks and the first overall picks in the last four drafts. So they're weighted by their playoff appearances and how many times they picked first. Three lottery balls were assigned to each team, which did not qualify in any of those playoffs and receives no first overall picks. So those teams got three balls in the lottery and the teams which had one playoff appearance or first overall pick in those years were given two lottery balls. All other teams received one lottery ball. So the Bengals would receive two lottery balls in that scenario. Yep. Yeah. I don't like that. I want them to just pick first again if there's no season because, oh man, oh man, just imagine. The, but Patriots. I don't think there's any way the NFL would actually do it, right? I think they would probably come up with something similar to the NHL's lottery system. Mm-hmm. But, man, two balls. You could end up picking 32nd. That's good. <laughs> that's a, I think the NFL would do a more constrained lottery than the NHL did. I think the draft, and, and I don't know anything about hockey, so this could be way off base, but I feel like the NFL draft, your, your draft position matters so much more than in the NHL where you have superstars coming out way less frequently and there there's no position like quarterback in the NHL, maybe goalie, I guess you could argue, but the the way that like your best players are on the on the ice, I almost said floor for uh like a third of the game at the very high end. Like they're not even, right? They're on the they're they're hardly minutes. Yeah. So it's uh I, I think that they would probably take like maybe if you're top ten throw those teams into a lottery, throw the middle 20 into a lottery, throw the last 30 into a lottery. I don't know what the NFL would do, uh, but I just want there to be a season. Let's let's just get to a season. Let's focus on that. Power yeah, positive I'm, thinking. I'm with you on that. Um, next question then is from Greg Borchers. You guys have covered linebackers that could be picked at or before the fourth round. Who are some linebacker targets that you guys may have in rounds five and six? You have Not any not only have we targeted them or talked about them, Joe, we've talked about them ad nauseum, according right. to Greg. Yeah. And Greg, we were going to answer two of your questions today, but uh, because we make you nauseous, 
<laughs> we, we want to take the pressure off your stomach. We might still answer your other question. I'm just giving you a hard time. I've uh, got one though. If you're if you don't have it, one, I've got one guy. Is it Logan Wilson? It is not because I think he's going to go a little earlier than that. Yeah, I do too. We haven't. Have we talked about the second and third rounds? We've talked about the guys that will be picked before. Oh the sure. Third round. Yeah. yeah, we have. So like and Malik fourth, Harrison's probably gone. Um, what about the Evan Weaver? Sure, Weaver could be there in the fifth, and I would like that. And they know him from the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Troy Dye could be there in the fourth round. Um, Oh, but fifth, sixth round. Okay. Yeah, he's saying later than that. So I got one guy, and you go watch him or type his name in. It's it's Joe Bacci, or it could be Bacchi, B-A-C-H-I-E for Michigan State. And he's 6'1", 230. Uh, He ran a 4.67, which is just passable, but... Overall, his numbers are pretty good. 66th percentile broad jump, 74th percentile three cone. Comes out very similar to Nick Vigil. Watch him be a surprise, like third round pick, right? But he's also was uh, pretty productive, over 100 tackles, I believe, the last two years. And he comes downhill and he hits. So uh, watch him a little bit, and I think he's probably a fifth or sixth round pick. I'll throw out one other name, Joe. Have you watched Marcus Bailey? I have not. Purdue linebacker had an ACL injury in 2019, but had three years of really solid production for, sorry, ACL injury in 2019. So he only played a couple of games, but his 2017, 2018 were both very high quality. He, he is missing some of the hip fluidity that you would want to see most likely if he does uh, come back and, and recover from that ACL nicely. And you don't really know how he will recover from that ACL. The other knock on him is that he's old. He's 23. That would be someone that you could see a fifth, sixth rounder. He's projected by PFF, actually, to go in the fifth round. And it might hurt him that he doesn't get to do any of the medical rechecks. Although, uh, and teams won't trust this entirely, we did see that uh, players will be able to go through optional medical rechecks with local doctors. Yeah. And And have those sent over to NFL teams. Yeah, on that note, Tua Tungvaloa got a um, really glowing review for his health and in doing that, having his recheck done. And he looks very healthy, if you just go to his Instagram. Our next question comes from All Buckled Up at Stuart E4 US Vet. With Duke Tobin being so heavily involved with drafts, why do you trust him to get it right this year? And I think this question maybe is implying that Duke Tobin has only recently gained this control, which I would say is probably not entirely true. But, Joe, what's your take? Well, I think he's been heavily involved for a while. But uh, I would say that, number one, that's the reason I wanted him to pick number one, was because I feel like any team is going to make the pick the Bengals do, so it's kind of out of their hands anyway. So, I mean, if it doesn't work, it's not a Duke Tobin issue. It's... Well, it didn't work. It's several of the dice sometimes. But if I go back and look at the last three years, I don't think those drafts were as bad as maybe this tweet is portraying them because William Jackson to Tyler Boyd to Nick Vigil to Andrew Billings is pretty good. I mean, that's about what you should expect from a normal draft class. It's really the following two years where it got hit or miss. I know people hated the John Ross pick. I had John Ross as a top 15 player, and they needed a speed receiver. They still need a speed receiver. You can see why it was a need. The medical part is the is the big gamble there. It wasn't a skill set. Uh, and then you go back and you get Mixon, and you get um, a bunch of quality players in terms of Carl Lawson. And, yeah, I don't think Josh Malone worked out. And then uh, Ryan Glasgow has been hurt, but he has been quality when he's played. That's not a bad draft overall. That's 
passable or at least that's watermark of what you want to get every time out of out of a draft and because you get a Joe Mixon out of that and a, and a Carl Lawson I think you're good and then the following year they were right they wanted Frank Ragnow Frank Ragnow's instantly a top five center as soon as he starts playing there one pick later that was going to be the pick so the wrong part is just being forced to draft the next center because your team doesn't participate in free agency and going up oh, it's Billy Price they yeah they fucked up big time there but the next pick is um, Jesse Bates and then Sam Hubbard. So was that so bad? I don't think their drafts have been that bad. You have to hit on your first round pick. So Jackson should be better than what he was. John Ross should be contributing more. Billy Price should be a starting offensive lineman in this league. And they're not getting those things right now. So that's the big weight on his classes. And part of that is injuries. And part of that is out of the front office's hands. If the guys don't develop, then it's not, all on the front office. You look back on draft picks and you talk about Jake Fisher. This is a great example of this. Mm -hmm. He was a good draft pick in the second round. He was thought to have a very high skill set. He was very athletic. Was it what? He was a 10, right? Or 9.9. He was a freak athlete and he just didn't work out. And his tape was decent. Even when in the NFL, he flashed more than enough. Yeah. But, you get a heart problem, you play yeah. tight end, you, all these issues that all of a sudden he can't play anymore. He's not well, in the league. And, and a big issue for the Bengals has been injury luck. And and some of these guys, John Ross, you knew would be an injury risk, but William Jackson, there's no, intent, no uh, indicator that he would be a durability risk in the NFL. And Billy Price well, was drafted for being an Ironman. Yeah, so, that's just what, what I was going to say. He was touted as, oh, look at this guy. We won't draft injured players. Same as Jonah Williams, basically. And next thing you know, Nothing. It's it's what seven years in a row, at least of guys that have had injury issues, and in maybe maybe going all the way back to Dre. And maybe I should have been including last year's draft class, but I don't feel like you can even put a grade on that yet no. because Jonah was out. Drew Sample, yeah, that was a weird played. fucking pick, and then Jermaine Pratt actually was pretty decent. So it's hard to say. And I, some people like, well, why'd they draft Ryan Finley? He's a fourth round pick. Yeah, trading up for him was weird. But he was a fourth-round pick. Those things are shots in the dark at like a 5% hit rate. Yeah. That being said, I didn't like the fact that they traded up to take Ryan Me either. We're we're not excusing that. Uh, But like the same way that I was like, well, if they don't trade Andy Dalton, they probably missed out on a late fourth-round pick. Uh, I'm throwing up my hands. Like, what does that represent? It represents probably moving from, you know, 4-1 maybe to 3-39, Maybe it moves right. you up a couple spots into the compensatory area, but that's it. It's not like a huge loss to, to miss out on the, that pick if they don't. But at the same time, they should have gotten a pick for him. Yeah, and, I, and it's okay to criticize because taking Drew Sample is weird. I didn't love the Billy Price pick. There's enough things to make you go, what the hell? Uh, but I think at the same time, the lack of free agency yeah. really hampers your ability to draft and you start to target players you should not be targeting because your team isn't active in free agency and is that a duke tobin problem i'm not so sure until this past year we see they get the ability to do it and he went out and he filled some holes yeah i think we know it's actually not a duke tobin problem we don't know if it was marvin lewis we have one question say does this prove it was marvin lewis well no it doesn't does this prove it was mike brown um well, we really don't know, but uh, we do know that Mike Brown is slowly ceding control. He has been for years, and uh, the Drew Sample pick is very fresh in people's mind, is, yeah. is why I think people are asking this question. People like, who? we've gotten the question so many times, Joe. Who's going to be the Drew Sample this year? Like, right. 
they, they don't usually do that. They're usually pretty damn good in the second round. You go back, you got Jesse right. Bates, you got uh, Joe Mixon in, in the late second Tyler round Boyd. after trading back, Tyler Boyd, who took a few years. <laughs> but but he got there. He's now very good. So and Maybe Sample will take a few years. Uh, as you would expect to tight end to. One of the first things we said after we got over the what the fuck is going on is this, if he does turn out, will probably take a couple years. We hoped for better production in year one, especially as a blocker. And it sounds like around the time he got hurt was around the time they were going to start using him a whole lot more. So as got the whole team that. got better at that time. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, we got better out of Michael Jordan. We got more out of a lot of guys and Jermaine Pratt. I, it, we could have, it's conceivable. We got, we would have gotten more out of Drew sample. Last question from Bengals will be okay at Bengals are okay. That's kind of contradictory in, in a way, but who are who was your first shadow team pick? We got a lot of interest on the shadow team episode. Jake, I think a lot of people are ready to do it and jump in this season and people that are returning to play. But who was your first shadow team pick and how hard, how happy are you with their development? I picked Derwin James first. And it's funny because we have a YouTube video from that year of us watching Derwin James and going, ah, this isn't the kind of safety that we want for the Bengals. We want a guy that's going to be Jesse Bates. And then they drafted Jesse Bates. Uh, and we got what we wanted, I guess. Um, but I didn't know really much about Jesse Bates going into that draft. Year. I was surprised by the pick, I remember. But Derwin James has obviously turned into an all-world player when he's healthy. So, yeah, I'm happy with his development. If he can stay healthy, my, my second first-round pick that year, Harold Landry, was uh, that, that, that he's been fine. Uh, but not quite what you would expect for a first round pick. Or my first it, year, yes. my first year playing was 2011, and I was picking 15, 16. So, you know, right off the bat, there, if you're trying to think of names, this may surprise you that both worked out in some sense. Neither being spectacular, but the first pick, technically, well, the other pick was Prince of Mukamara at corner, and he's been okay. He's had a career. He's still playing. Um, the other one is Nate Solder, uh, left tackle, has had a good and long career. Luckily, he went to the Patriots, so seemed like all their guys were developing at that time, and he, I'm looking at his PFF grades, and 81, 85, 75, 71, 82, 75, 75, he's had a long and productive career at left tackle. There you go. Let us know who your first pick is in your shadow team if you embark on that path this year. We will be doing some more mailbags because we're getting 60 questions and we're able to get through maybe 10% of those, maybe 15% if we're lucky. So we're going to be doing some more mailbags in the next couple of weeks, especially because there's not going to be a ton of news coming in. So look for maybe two, three mailbags a week for the next few weeks. Have a great weekend, Bengals fans. Stay safe out there. Until next time, have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? 
Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.